0: So growing up, whenever I would ask my parents for something to go somewhere, uh, to do something like a, go to a football game, go to a, a friend's house to hang out, I would always know what parent to ask first. Amen. I would always know what parent to ask first, meaning one of my parents is more likely to say yes than the other. Do we, do we have parents like that in here for, for students? Yes? No? Yes? Okay, that's what I thought. So for me, my dad is more likely to say yes to something I asked for than my mom. My mom still says yes to a lot of things, but my dad even has a a higher percentage uh, of yeses. And so one day I I went to my dad and said, you know, hey dad, uh, I want to go over to my friend's house, Can I go? And he says, yes, you can, but do you have any homework to do? And I had a a project to do, and um, I had a couple things I had to get done for school, and I said, yeah, I do have some homework. Well, he said, here's what we'll do. If you do your homework first, then you can go to your friend's house. And so what I heard that as is he said, go to your friend's house and do your homework later. Right, we like, we Sometimes we hear differently what our parents are actually saying. So he's, he says, you need to do your homework before you go. And I was like, uh, I don't really feel like doing homework. So I'm going to go and then I'll maybe do it after. So I go to my friend's house. We're hanging out. About 30, 45 minutes later, I get a call from my mom. She says, hey, where are you? I said, um, I'm at my friend's house. She says, well, weren't you supposed to be doing homework? I said, yeah, but I was planning on doing it after. She's like, Well, I talked to your dad, and he said you needed to do it before you went. I knew I was caught red handed, so I was like, Mom, you're right. I'm going to go home. And I ended, up, I ended up getting in trouble, obviously. But uh, we misconstruct a lot sometimes what our parents say. We, we, we want to hear what we want to hear instead of what they actually said. So, how often do we do the, the same thing when it comes to Jesus? How often do we hear what we want Jesus to say rather than hearing actually what he said? So, tonight we are kicking off our final teaching series of the year Jesus Never Said That. And throughout this series, we are going to be looking at several statements Jesus said. However, these statements are often believed to be true. Why? because it's what many people want to hear so often people will take Jesus' words or teachings and twist it ultimately to make themselves feel better or to justify their actions. The goal for this series is to unpack some of the of these common misconceptions so that we can base our life on the truth of what Jesus actually said. So tonight we're going to look at our first misconception you won't have bad days. You won't have bad days. There are a lot of things that Jesus never said. All right, I'll give you some examples. Whoever does the will of my Father will always ace every test. Jesus never said that because I am uh, standing true to that belief of that is actually nothing Jesus ever said because I did not ace every test. Uh, Another one, if you lose your life for my sake, you will always make every sports team. Who in here has not made a sports team before when trying out? Thank you for your honest hand. But seek first the kingdom of God, and you will never not have an embarrassing moment. Again, we've all had them in here. So these are things that Jesus never said. Jesus didn't promise us that we would always be healthy. We would be the smartest. We would be the most successful. We would, have, we would be the, the most popular person in our grade. And we would always have good days. Jesus never promised us any of these things. When we talk about bad days, what do we consider bad days? What are bad days? So this is what I consider a bad day, and I think you would agree. So a bad day is getting sick and throwing up all day long. A bad day is failing a test even though you studied hard for it. A bad day is getting in trouble at school for something you didn't do. A bad day is overhearing someone talking bad about you. A bad day is you and your best friend having an argument. Can anyone relate to any of these bad days? Can anyone, can anyone relate to any these bad days? Well, even if you can't relate, I'm 100% positive that you have had a bad day before, including my leaders, uh, our leaders in here, that you guys have had bad days before. A lot of times, as Christians, we believe that we are invincible to bad things. Or, just because we follow Jesus, we won't go through hard things in life. Well, let me tell you personally, that is not true. I've had my fair share of bad days in my life, like I'm sure all of us have. Jesus never said, we won't have bad days. So I want to look tonight at what Jesus actually did say about bad days. When we have a bad day, how do we approach it? What does the Bible say about what happens when bad days come our way? So if you have your Bibles or your phones tonight, go ahead and turn to the book of John. And we will be in chapter 16 starting in verse 20. So the gospel of John starting in chapter 16 and verse 20. Before you read uh, what, what Jesus is saying in John, I, I want to give some context to what's going on in this passage. So, Jesus is at the final days of his life. He's at the final days of his life. He doesn't have much longer to live before he has to go to the cross. And so, he's sitting with his disciples in the upper room and he's explaining to, to them what's about to happen. What's about to happen is about to be humiliating for me, it's about to be painful for me, and you are going to grieve. You're going to be sad about what is going to happen. And Jesus was having this conversation uh, about how he's going to give his life, his, his final thoughts and goals for them to go out and do the work of the gospel while he'll be away. So he's almost encouraging the disciples, hey, I'm going to be gone. You can't follow me where I go but where I go and you cannot come. So in this conversation, the disciples were confused and sad of what Jesus was telling them. They have served alongside of Jesus for three years and they saw him do miracle after miracle and, and save people's lives and, and just the impact that Jesus had on their own personal lives. This was so incredibly hard for the disciples to hear. They loved Jesus and they gave up their whole lives and everything they knew to follow him and to learn from his teachings. So I, I just want you to try to understand. Put yourself in the shoes of the disciples for a second. Imagine doing life with Jesus. Right? Face to face. Person to person. Having conversations with him. Telling. Laughing with him. These, the, this is what the disciples did. They did life with Jesus. Now Jesus said, I'm going to go away. And you are going to grieve. Okay, so let's, let, let's see this conversation in verse 20. It says, very truly I tell you. You will weep. Jesus understood that the disciples wanted more clarity in what was happening. The disciples were, were very confused on, on what was happening. Because they had this idea of what the end times would look like. Jesus would, would reign over as a military. This isn't what happened. This isn't what happened. But, but Jesus also knew that they needed more than just information about what was going on. Jesus needed their hearts and minds prepared for what was about to happen. Jesus knew that they would be thrown into deep and dark sorrow in the next few hours. He also knew that God would, by his power and grace, turn their sorrow into joy. So why would they be sad? Why would the disciples be sad? Just a a few examples. They'd be sad at the loss of their relationship with Jesus. They wouldn't lose their personal relationship, but their face-to-face relationship relationship that they have with him every single day, that would be gone because of him uh, uh, eventually dying and, and rising again in three days and going to heaven, that that would be gone. Sorrowful at the humiliation and pain Jesus would go through on the cross. They would watch this man that they loved and served and followed for three years die, a painful and humiliating death. Sorrowful and sad at the seeming victory of his enemies. Right when Jesus died and was put in the tomb, like, what were their thoughts? They're, man, the Romans won, the Pharisees won, the Sadducees, all these people that hated Jesus, man, they won. The seeming victory of his enemies, not the victory, because in the end, Jesus rises again. But the seeming victory of his enemies. And lastly, because all their hope was taken away. And when Jesus died, they thought, man, it's over. We've just wasted three years. It's all over. And so, so they were, there are were many reasons to be sad and many reasons why Jesus said, you will grieve when I am gone. Interesting to note here and pay attention to this, that God's work was not to replace their sorrow with joy, but to turn their sorrow into joy. The idea of replacing is it only lasts for a short time. When you change tires on a car, the new tires will only last for a short time, right? When you, when you replace tires on a car eventually, you know, a year or a month or however long, you're going to have to replace the tires again. That's not what Jesus is wanting to do with turning your sadness into joy. He's not wanting to replace it. He's wanting to turn sadness into joy. He's wanting to get rid of it forever. right? Because if you replace something, you have to do it again and again and again. Jesus is saying, no, the joy you find in me lasts forever. It's eternal. So these, these disciples were, were having a very bad day, which would eventually turn into a few bad days until Jesus rose again. And it was never Jesus' plan to intentionally make the disciples sad and worried about what was going to happen, but it was God's plan to turn their sorrow into joy. This is what happens in our life. When we have bad days, when we have bad things happen, hard trials we walk through, Jesus turns our sorrow into into joy. So, this conversation with disciples, it's continuing. Jesus is trying to get them to understand what is about to happen to them. And at the, at the end of this conversation, as we, we skip over, the disciples are, are finally starting to get what Jesus is saying. They're, the confusion is starting to go away. Uh, they're, they're finally starting to say, okay, Jesus, we, we understand what's coming. They thought, they thought they did. So let, let's skip down to the last verse of, of John 16 and see why Jesus says we can have joy in the midst of bad days. So verse 33, the very last verse, so important here. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The purpose of the conversation he had with the disciples is summarized into one verse. To bring them peace and settle their minds for what's about to come. That's the point of this conversation. Jesus is telling the disciples, I am about to die on a cross and you are going to grieve because of it. That's the point of this conversation. He wants to bring them peace, and he wants to settle their minds on him. The peace isn't in the situation. They'll never find peace in what was about to happen. The only way they find peace is in Jesus. Jesus offered his disciples peace. He made the offer in the most confusing circumstances. At the very minute Jesus was having this conversation, Judas was meeting with the enemies to plot his arrest. Jesus knew that he would be arrested, forsaken, rejected, mocked, humiliated, tortured, and executed before the next day was over. Right? Why this conversation was going on, he was being betrayed, which would lead to his death, his painful death on the cross. We would think that the disciples should have comforted him. Right? We think the disciples should have been around Jesus, praying for Jesus, uh, giving him encouraging words, but that wasn't the case. Jesus, the only person in the room who had real reason to grieve because he was about to endure the cross, yet Jesus had peace. And not only did Jesus have peace, he had enough to give to others. Think about that for a second. Jesus had peace in the midst of this very bad day. And he had enough still to give to his disciples who were about to grieve. It's very important to see what Jesus is saying here. Jesus did not promise peace. He's offering it. He said, you may have peace. We gain the peace Jesus offered by finding it in him, Jesus said that in me, in me, you may have peace. It is our choice if we take the peace or not. Jesus offers peace to everyone in this room. It's our choice if we take that peace or not. Jesus also made the promise of trouble. Peace is offered, but trouble is promised. We are promised to struggle as long as we are in this world, yet there is still peace in Jesus. When Jesus wanted to comfort and strengthen his disciples, he spoke of his victory, right? I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And this is before anything ever took place. Jesus is already telling them, hey, I'm going to defeat death. I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to save your life. So he's already telling them about the victory that they had, not so um, it would be their victory, but it would be Jesus's. It would be Jesus's victory. Knowing that Jesus has overcome the world is the foundation for our peace. Knowing that Jesus has overcome the world is the foundation for our peace. We see that Jesus is in control. We see that although he leaves the disciples, he does not abandon them. We see that he loves, and then we see that the victory is his. But that's not the end of the story for some of us in here. Some of you in this room tonight might be going through a a bad day or even a bad season. You might feel abandoned. You might feel alone. You might feel stressed and confused. You might feel angry at what God has allowed to happen in your life. You're sitting here tonight and you're angry. You're angry at what God has allowed to happen in your life. You're frustrated. You're confused. You're grieving because of what's going on in your life and you're mad at God for it. I don't know what you are going individually through tonight, but guess what? Even though it might not seem like it, God does. He knows. He knows exactly what you're walking through some of you may be walking through some pretty hard things in life right now maybe your parents are going through a divorce and you're struggling with how to cope with it maybe you're walking through a season of severe anxiety and depression and you're always worried about everything maybe you have a family member that's sick and is not doing well and you're afraid of what the future holds for them Maybe you just got out of a really bad relationship with your girlfriend or boyfriend. Maybe you're fighting with one of your friends and you guys aren't talking anymore. Maybe you're in a real season of temptation and you can't seem to break it and you always feel trapped by it. I don't know if that relates to anyone in here, but it does to me. There's some of you in this room that are struggling right now that are going through bad days. Maybe the bad days have seemed so long to now it almost seems like it's been bad weeks. It's been bad months. Whatever you're walking through tonight, I want to give you three truths that we can walk away with. Three truths that we find here in John 16 that we can apply to our life when the bad days seem like they have no end. And maybe that's where you are tonight. When is it going to end? When is this going to end that I'm struggling with, that I'm going through? You can't can't even see in front of you because all you see is, is hurt and grief. Number one, bad days are promised. And you might be thinking, why is this the first truth he's saying? I thought these were supposed to be encouraging. I thought these were supposed to lift me up. This is an important truth. This is something that Jesus promised his disciples. What did he say in verse 33? You will, not maybe or you might, you will have trouble in this world. Man, this is something that Jesus told his disciples to expect. But guys, guess what? We live in a broken world. We live in an evil world where Satan is real and powerful. And because of this, we have to know that bad days are coming. We have to know that hard seasons will last. We have to know that trials are around the corner. I tell you this because we can't live in a false reality. We can't live in a false reality that bad days don't exist just because we follow Jesus. That's not true. Jesus promises his 12 closest closest friends, guys, you're going to grieve. You're going to be sorrowful. You're going to be confused. You're going to be angry. And there's trouble in this world that's coming. We aren't immune to these things, guys, just because we follow Jesus. We live in a world where bad things happen because of its brokenness. Okay, so that's the first truth that I want you to understand tonight, that these are inescapable. Bad days are inevitable. This is the reality we have to live in. But, but, there's good news. There's good news. Number two, peace is offered. Peace is offered. Philippians 4, 7, it says, "In the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." Listen to me. When we go through bad days, trials, hard seasons, our only way, your only way of finding a peace that is beyond your ability to understand is in Jesus and Jesus alone. That's it. The Bible says that this peace it's beyond our ability to understand. It doesn't make sense. Because what the world sees is they see us as Christians going through hard things. Man, how do you have peace in this situation? It's because of Jesus. It's beyond people's ability to understand. And you're only going to find it in Jesus and Jesus alone. Man, we won't find this peace anywhere else. And so often when we go through the bad days in life, we turn to so many other things that will never bring us lasting peace. We would rather try to find peace in things that only make our bad days worse. (laughs) It's crazy to think about really is because a lot of times when we're going through a trial and we're going through a season, Jesus is our last option. Well, I'm gonna to try to, I'm going to try to sink myself into this and put myself into this and try to find myself in this. And then you come back to Jesus. So many times we run to other things that make our bad days, our trials, our seasons worse. Because they leave us empty. It's like digging a hole that you can never reach the bottom of. <laughs> that's what that's what finding trying to find peace in this world is. You're you're digging a hole that you'll never reach the bottom. You'll just keep digging forever looking for this peace. Jesus says he offers it to us. He offers it to us. Whatever it is, we have all tried to find peace in something other than Jesus. Number three, last point. Hope is given. This is the best one. (laughs) Hope is is given. First Peter 5.10, it says, And in the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. We almost have to ask Peter, who wrote this, why did you say that? We're only called to his eternal glory after we suffered for a little while? Yes. It would be nice if we were called to his eternal glory on the no-suffering plan, but God uses suffering to strengthen, establish, and settle us. I want to tell you, even if it doesn't seem like it, there is a purpose in your bad day. What you're going through right now The trial, the hard season, the bad days, bad weeks, months. There's a purpose. And it might not seem like it. I said it before, but you might be here tonight and you are so angry at God. You're so angry at Him. Because of what He's letting you go through. you're confused, you're grieving, and just you're asking Jesus, why? Why, what what did I do to, to deserve this? And there's a purpose in what you're walking through. There's a purpose in what you're going through. The purpose is so our faith can be strengthened, established, and settled on Jesus, and in the end, we can give him the glory. We have hope because Jesus transforms us into his likeness through trials, through bad days. Jesus is transforming us into being more like his son. To being more like Jesus. That is the point of these trials, the point of these bad days. He's transforming you into what Jesus looks like. Not who Jesus is, but what Jesus looks like, to be more like in the fruits of the Spirit, patience and love, peace and joy, all these things come through trials, to come through bad seasons, that he's strengthening your faith. He's establishing you on a firm foundation. And in the end, we can give him the glory. Because it's not us not us who has a purpose in these trials because some of you might be sitting here tonight and why what is my purpose I've asked that question man I've asked that question so many times of being stuck in something God what are you doing in my life what is the purpose of all this is there a purpose are you seeing what's happening to me knowing Jesus brings contentment regardless of material possessions and joy despite difficult circumstances Nothing can destroy this hope because it's stored in heaven where no earthly power can touch it. Jesus never said there wouldn't be bad days. But he did say that there is a purpose in them. Jesus never said there wouldn't be bad days. But he did say there's a purpose in them. Biblical hope, not the hope of, uh, of what the world describes, but a biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. It's a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. You know what us as believers have to look forward to? Heaven. That is something to look forward to. We can have hope because this is not our home. If you have a relationship with Jesus, our home is in heaven. We can have hope because this world is temporary, and so are the things in it. Knowing that heaven is where we will be for eternity, that is hope. Guys, this isn't the end. Those, those of you who, who are believers, who believe that, that Jesus died on the cross, rose again for your sins in, in three days, this is our hope. And that we can live eternally with him. And I'm, I make this mistake all the time, but all we're focused on is this world. Man, what we're going through now are bad days. But guys, there's a, a hope we can have and look forward to, and that's heaven. There will be bad days. There will be trials. There will be hard seasons, but guess what? Jesus has overcome the world. He's already defeated death, and this is what he was trying to explain to his disciples, as you can have peace in me, because I've already defeated it. I'm about to defeat death. Yes, you're going to be sad, because I've died. Yes, you're going to be sad, because I'm going through pain. Yes, you're going to be sad, because I'm forsaken. Yes, you're going to be sad, because I'm rejected. Yes, you're sad, because I'm going to be mocked. But, you can have joy in me because I have overcome the world. That is our hope. He has defeated death and gives everlasting life for anyone who believes in him. I just want everyone to to close their eyes. Bow their head and, and close your eyes. Man, if you if you're here for the first time, or maybe you've been coming here for a while, and you're going through this hard season in life. You're going through this pain. You're going through this trial. You're angry. You're frustrated. You're confused. There is a God who cares about you there is a God who cares about what you're going through tonight he knows where you're at leaders I'm talking to you too he knows where you're at he knows what you're struggling with he sees you he sees you grieving and if you don't know this Jesus don't you dare leave this place tonight without being 100% positive that you have a personal relationship with this Jesus. This Jesus that gives peace that is beyond your ability to understand. This Jesus that gives hope hope that we don't have To set ourselves in this world and look to nothing, but we can look ahead. And when we die, when we pass on from this world, it's not over. It's just begun. Heaven is your home. So, man, if you're here tonight, again, and you don't know this Jesus and you want this peace, you want this hope, come talk to myself. Morgan, Brittany are one of your student leaders tonight. Talk to somebody. Man, I want this peace. I want this hope. Because man, life stinks right now. Don't leave this place without knowing for sure that when you die, you will go to heaven. Let me pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for your son who took our place on the cross, who died a death that we deserve, who took the pain and the humiliation for us, so that we could have a relationship with him. We can be reconciled to the Father. God, if there are students here tonight that, that don't believe in you, that don't have a relationship with you tonight, I pray that you make them bold. If they come talk to one of their leaders, me or Morgan, God, that they get this thing settled tonight. And for the students who do know Jesus in here, and who are still walking through something hard, God, reveal yourself to them. Give them your peace. Give them your hope that only you can bring. Remind us of your goodness. Remind us that you you have a purpose in these trials, that you want to lay a firm foundation and make us more like your son. God, we love you. And we thank you, Jesus, and I pray.